Welcome to the Washdown Podcast. And tonight's guest is Battalion Chief Mark Little. Uh, and Mark has been in the fire service for 28 plus years. Um, Chris and James and I sat down with him and we had a great conversation about leadership, mental health, physical health. I mean, we hit it all. Um, so I hope you guys like this episode. I hope you get something out of it. Um, we had a really great time making it. Um, so here you go. The Washdown podcast with special guest, Mark Little. Yeah. Lightning in a bottle. Let's see if you can do it twice, Chris. <laughs> no, I did it once. You did it once. I think you actually did it twice. Did I do it twice? I don't think there's times a charm. You did it with uh, James Kelly. Yeah, it was the Mortal Kombat and stuff. And then you did it with Daniel, too, with Shergan. I don't remember what, I, what we did on that one. Well, because I think it was we were talking about working out or something. and then Are you sure Chris said, was part of that conversation? Was I hitting on him? Yeah. <laughs> I think you were. I think okay, it yeah. came off as... <laughs> Kind of, yeah. Creepy. It was a little bit. Yeah, he liked it though. Uh, well, you know, no, known him a long time. He enjoyed yeah. it because <laughs> we were making fun of you when you're, you're, when you're right out as chief. Uh, yeah, you, you had your, your your lean going. Yeah, chief lean, and then you put on the white shirt that you found mm-hmm. with the white pants, the white shoes, but black socks and underwear. Yeah, which is weird. I still don't get that. It's weird, bro. I mean. You did, have to complete did, did the ensemble. Did you have clean white underwear? Yeah, I don't have any white underwear. That are clean. Is that because they're not clean? <laughs> no, I don't do have them. Do you teach you how to do laundry? No, I just, I stopped wearing, un- or like, white underwear whenever I was like No, 12. you stopped wearing underwear. That's that's what you were going with, but then you had to correct yourself. <laughs> so you don't wear underwear anymore. Right. Uh, Gotta let it breathe, baby. Ugh. Like Tom Petty said, I'm free <laughs> balling. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not what it was. Uh, no, not quite the accurate lyrics, but, you know, A-plus for, for effort. Uh, I, I like how he uh, he just breaks down on himself. Pretty sure Tom Petty wrote a song about that, too. Nothing? Nothing. The breakdown? You guys suck. Learn music. Really? Do you even go here? <laughs> Do you lift, bro? I mean, really. <laughs> Speaking of that, didn't we have a conversation about how you wanted to, like... Yeah, you're supposed to be in control the- of that, and you haven't sent me shit. You haven't asked me for shit. Yeah, I did. That's why I sent you that text. You're, yeah. And then you were Let's like, yeah, we, we'll document it, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I was like, okay, cool. And then, and then, then that you was went it. radio silence. No, it was never, hey, let's start. Why do I got to be the one... So Motivation. that leads us into you, the conversation. You're, you're supposed to be motivating people. Personal accountability. No. You, you can lead a horse to it. water. You got to motivate You can't it. make him drink. So, you got to motivate people. So, Mark, your how's your day, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get on to the important uh, topic. And we can air these grievances later at some point. Uh, Look, if you want it, you got to go after it. Say that, say that again louder into the microphone. If you want it, you got to go after it. Still louder. Not good. <laughs> yeah. You're annoying. <laughs> <laughs> now that I, I agree yep, with. I that. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't want to go through another episode to where we get done with the episode and go, okay, cool. And I go to do the editing. And then every time that the guest, you in this case, opens your mouth, 
we can't hear anything that you're saying. So even though I can hear it here, it may not come through. Right. You need to be able to hear it at a decent volume in your headphones. And like you can tell as you move in back, it'll kind of go away and then boom, you got it. So like I said, if you want it, you got to go after it. (laughs) There you go. See, he's on team personal accountability. No, you need motivation. I have zero right now. That, I can't give you motivation, nope. man. That has to come from within, or it will. No, you got to have external work. forces too. Your job as a leader to help motivate your team to get better. No, your job as a leader is to help your individuals find reasons to motivate themselves. I like that. Wrong. That's part of it. You got to be the motivational force as well. No, you got to hit every single aspect. To get your team to do what you want. If you want to create codependency. <laughs> if you want me to be the wind in your sail, you've got to have a sail. Lawyered. Boom. And the sails drop the mic. Pushing. Thanks for coming on the Washdown <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but the wind is the motivation. The sail's up, but there's no motivation pushing. There's no the sail, sail up. There's no sail. Yeah, that was the text. I'm in. Let's do this. Oh, my God. That's the exact equivalent of a woman going, I'm not going to tell you why I'm mad at you. you you're just supposed to know what yeah. I want to eat tonight. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, Rachel's out of town, so she was texting me, hey, you got to know Jeremy for me because <laughs> I'm not there. It's like, on it. You're like, permission to do what I do anyway? <laughs> Great. Thanks. Well, Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate it. <laughs> Back to business. <laughs> Back to business. And do an end around around that. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you're here, and then we'll get into it. So a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm married, got a couple kids, got a couple grandkids, a third one on the way. I'm very excited about that. The, the amount of joy that grandkids bring a papa is unlike anything you'll ever experience until you become a grandfather. Um, worked for a fire department for over 28 years. Was an EMT before that. In about oh, nine, eight, eight or nine years ago, uh, got a paramedic license. Idiot. Actually, <laughs> I'm, I'm actually very glad that I did that. Um, there's been a lot of lot of things that that has benefited me personally, my family, the community, my department, the people I work with. I think um, what else? How has it benefited? Said peoples. So when they promoted me to a battalion chief, they put me in charge of a district that had paramedics in it. Mm-hmm. They'd come to me asking questions, and it was like they were speaking Japanese to me. The department said, hey, anybody, any employees want to go through medic school, we'll pay your way. And uh, I said, sign me up. And it was actually something I wanted to do even before I thought about being a fireman. So um, 
that worked out really, really well. And then once I've got that knowledge, those skills, when those medics were coming and asking me questions, needing some help, either on scenes or follow-up or whatever, I then understood what they were asking. And I could be of assistance there, be assistance on scenes. That was the first kind of traction, the benefit that I started seeing. It's made me some money over time. Um, Picked up a side job with a small department outside of the metro. Um, Got a couple of hurricane deployments, FEMA contracts with that. So made some good money doing that, going out to the East Coast, um, which that's fun riding in an ambulance all the way out east, by the way. <laughs> At 60 miles an hour. Oh, I can only imagine. No, those that is those were not governed. So. <laughs> oh, that's not too bad then. <laughs> those were not governed. Oh, what is that? Traffic jam? Lights well, and sirens. And, yeah. and something that I would, I would like to touch on and maybe expound on a little bit is the aspect of leadership with being able to see that that need was there of, hey, I've got people that, I'm directly responsible for that have questions that I don't have answers for. Well, and Jeremy, I'll even go one further on top of the leadership. I think having worked under him and seen the way he does it, his servant leadership that comes with it, especially in a time when the nation is short on medics, his willingness and ability to help out staffing and help those under him not get burnt out has been second to none on this job i appreciate that and and i like a word you just use there the servant leadership and that is exactly how i was taught by a battalion chief that i worked for years ago this battalion chief i i drove for four or five years said it's leadership through servitude and i could see how effective that style of leadership was with the district and there hasn't been a day go by since I've been a battalion chief that that hasn't been on my mind and as our job moved into the ALS providing as a piece of what we do in the community I decided I can help do that. I can help these people that are trying to provide those services, help our citizens, help the department, just trying to be a a, a leading edge on on that movement. I, I can, and still am. It's still a fight. Yeah. It's still a fight. We're coming up on 13 years into it, and it's still a fight. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think it's gotten better. It has, were, but we're not taking full steps forward. Right. And I think that's nationwide. Right. Mark, what were some of the first things you saw as a battalion chief improve, adapting that style of leadership? What were some of the first things you began to recognize within your district of morale improving or positivity amongst the people you supervised? I've had numerous of our deputy chiefs tell me 
Mark, your district is the lowest frequency of issues. And so I would say as my focus uh, on serving the people in my district as a priority number one, that had a nice side effect, benefit, if you will, that they then wanted in turn to take care of me, which then helps the department because they 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 adhere to policies and, and, and things more readily and fewer issues come up. And I'm concerned about that, of course, but that's not my primary focus. My primary focus is the personnel assigned to me, that they go home every day, that they have what they need to do the job that we're asking them to do. Concern for the citizens in the district on the calls we're going on and the department is a second. The policies are there to help us figure out how to get from point A to point B on a call and mitigate these emergencies, these hazards. Um, but the human resource, that's, I think that's the most valuable. It's actually invaluable. It, you know what? Right. Um, the most important resource that a fire department has, and it has to be priority one, and it has been day in, day out. Yeah. Take care of your employees. Your employees take care of you, mm-hmm. company, and your customers. It It works. <clears throat> It yeah. does work. Yes. Something well, I agree with. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen the same thing that, that you have as far as going from that role of being the person who does everything to that, I guess, I guess we'd be mid-managers. Oh, yeah. You're... Oh, yeah, you're, I got promoted, too. You're a mid-level manager, yeah. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> but... You're what's-his-name <clears throat> from Office Space. You're worried about TPS reports now. Oh, TPS reports. <laughs> Uh, just go hate back TPS to the cubicle. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to play Tetris and eat Cheetos, man. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> but you know, have have work being on the rigs that are ALS and have ambulances attached to them, and being able to help with a twelve lead interpretation. You know, they look at it. They let you let them do their job, but then, hey, what do you see? Do you see anything? It's it's another another level, you know, that you can add to helping that citizen. Oh, and, and I've even utilized it, you know, when our EMS supervisors are out. I've been like, hey, give me, you know, give me the battalion chief in my district. Yeah, yeah. And, and usually you show up, and I'm like, hey, I got a clusterfuck, but here's what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always glad when you call me on those. Always was, always but was. You, I, th- I think going to medical school definitely broadened the scope. Of how, and the picture of what you see. Absolutely. Im- immensely. Yeah. Immensely, I Cause think. Because I remember the, the day we started to the day we graduated, because you and I went to medical school together, there was a huge change in all of us and mm-hmm. how we saw things and how we approached it. And yep. even in the field. And our captain at the time was in the same class. Yeah. And even things there changed. And it was just, I think it got better. Agreed. It made us better firefighters overall. It's made us a better department, too. I was just talking with uh, one of my colleagues earlier today how it's not uncommon today to have three, maybe four medics on scene of a 
cardiac arrest or something. And when we started this, we were lucky to scrape together one. Yeah. So we've definitely made some strides, some improvements. We're definitely going the right direction. We've got more to go. You know, it used to be you'd have the one medic, and there might have been – so you had a medic and an EMT on the ambulance, and maybe four firefighters because we still had three-person bumpers at the time. So maybe two EMTs out of the three Mm -hmm. because there's still guys on the job that weren't required to be EMTs. There's only a couple of those left. Yeah, there's only a few left. But (laughs) but like you said, look at it now. You you have four medics. Right. Which I've never ran into an issue with having multiple medics. Yep. You know, we all know who's leading the, the code, but we're able to put input in. And they can do what they want with it because they're, they're in charge of it. They're running it. <laughs> you remember running the ACLS practice codes and you're the lead medic and you've got, you know, multiple medics that you can assign various tasks mm-hmm. and roles to. And I, you know, thinking in terms of our home department, I always thought that'll never happen. And what are we going to have <laughs> yeah. three or four medics on scene to be able yeah. to delegate this and that and this and that. And, and, uh, now, and now here we are. And now here we are. It's exactly right. And I think it makes that code run that much smoother. It or, really does. Or the, the traumatic injury or the, the shooting stat, whatever. Yeah. You know, or, hey, you have that multiple victims of a car accident, and it's no more you hopping around. Yeah. It's, oh, hey, you take that one, you take that one, I got this one. And I'll tell you another play, another, you, you mentioned traumatic injury. I was happened to be heading back into the office after uh, after lunch few weeks ago and i jumped on a call that started out as a traumatic injury and they upgraded it to an entrapment and it was the three i-beams mm. on the worker and i'm telling you having a battalion chief first on scene who is also a medic i believe was instrumental in shaping how that scene was managed and 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 how the rescue effort went you immediately i actually had a medical team in place prior to a rescue team and we had a quick plan you know of of what was going to be provided for this patient and then as the rescues rolled in we started to develop what how are we going to move these three i-beams and uh, nothing was done until i got a thumbs up from medical and from rescue boss and those two things, I would say, are there's as much technical, special technical skill in each one of those roles mm-hmm. that's exceedingly, I mean, the two couldn't be further apart, you know, I mean. The, but you're able to bridge that gap because right. you speak both languages. Exactly. And we need, I think we need more of that. Right. To where, you know, <clears throat> we do one thing here on the fire scene, but if I'm working as a medic, I got to do this. But I know what they're doing over there, and I'm not saying our, our that not everybody can do that. Most right. of our members can, right? And I think that's nationwide. But there are those that there's well, no crossover, it, it, and they it, don't understand. And there's yeah. the infighting. Yeah, it's like, all right, hang on now. I got to do this. You do this. But this is why we're doing it. And well, that kind of goes back to the whole leadership, knowing what's going on at the ground level, you know, and having somebody who is still involved in it doing it on a daily basis Mm -hmm. and stays up on it why that's so important once you've started to ascend the ladder you know of our career you have to 
still stay in touch with what's going on down here. Because if you don't, then you get into a position where you're starting to make policy and doing all these things where it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because it's not practical for the field. Yeah. yeah. You start putting handcuffs on them. And, right. Yeah. And and it was exactly the opposite on that one. I knew the folks that were in charge of medical care for that guy. And I knew the folks that were in charge of the technical rescue aspect. And I trusted both teams. I knew their capabilities. I knew their skills. And it was really easy to let them focus on their specific tasks. And I didn't have to focus on the little details. It let me focus on the big picture. Think of how far EMS has come in your career from when you started to today. Yeah. A a lot. I mean, a lot's changed. A lot. A lot's changed in our career. Mark, I want to ask you this, and it's kind of an in-depth question. Great. Um, Everybody take a nap. Yeah. Moran will be done in about 20 minutes. (laughs) Cliff no version, man. Cliff no version. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Clearly, public service in general in the country is kind of a staffing crisis, morale crisis, leadership crisis. Um, Your style of leadership is proven time in and time out quite effective. Um, And it's what, you know, kind of what we can do to get by for the, the time being. But especially now that you've transitioned out of the field and into an office role, how have you kind of maintained, I guess it's a two-part question. How, how do you teach other leaders to adapt your style? Where where did we lose that for those that promoted, and how are you trying to still maintain it being removed from the field now? So as far as trying to share the management style, I've had numerous other personnel come to me and ask, what works for you? How? How are you seemingly so effective at what you're doing? And I've shared where I got that from watching that battalion chief that I drove years ago. I mean, really, that's we're going back 20 years when I started driving at 105. And sharing my what I learned from there over those five years and then over the last 10 years, what's been what I've seen work for myself and reminding up and coming officers, you got to put ego aside. It's about putting your members priorities even above your own. Put yourself last. But I mean, it's me first. Nope. That's, that's how the world works, nope. right? <laughs> it it takes a re- I mean that is that is a human's natural tendency look after self you've got to be able to overcome that and put that away and it can't be just lip service it has to be genuine you guys have all seen I, I imagine you've all seen so-called leaders that want to give you the appearance of trying to look out for you, but you see right through it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It Throw you under the bus so fast. Your BS detector goes off every time. Mm -hmm. So what was the other part of your question? Now that you've been out of the field, like technically kind of out of the field more to an office role, how do you continue to, how have you transitioned your style of leadership to that role? 
So I don't have so many direct employees now, but I could, I can be in touch with literally anybody in the job, the, the BLS ambulance portion, the FTO training stuff. Literally, I can work with anybody in any one of the districts. But I think I can keep in touch and keep relevant, if I want to say that word right, by continuing to pick up field shifts. Like, during the week, I don't. Weekends, I try to pick up shifts, and that that keeps me sharp, and it keeps me relevant, I think. Um, I think the field crews see that I'm still participating in that in that fight in the trenches if you want to use that analogy yeah which yeah that goes right back to what i said about staying in touch with what's going on yeah you know at at the quote-unquote ground level right you know and i think it's a it's so important for you know information flows two ways or should flow two ways in any healthy organization it's from the top down and from the bottom up. Right. And if the top doesn't know what the bottom's doing and the bottom doesn't know what the top doing, that's a recipe for disaster. It is. But yeah, I think that goes back to the, the servant leadership style. <clears throat> and when you're up towards the top, not taking offense to what the, the bottom is saying. Because I've seen that too, where you're asked for an opinion and you give it and they don't like it. And now. Well, that's the ego. That, yeah, I was just going to say is. that. And you get, you get, yeah, and I, I do exactly agree right. With the ego. It's not, I'm, you know, we're, I, you're not being attacked because you're at the top. It's this is what's going going on. This is what we want changed. But you are at the top where you can make that change. Those of us down here don't have that power. But you're not going to know it unless <clears throat> you hear it. Right. Yeah. You have to take part in those conversations to be able to hear it. Mm-hmm. Got to take the collar pins off. You do. Yeah. I, I think that's a sign of a great leader. Somebody come in and take the pins off, take the, sh- the the different colored shirt off, and be like, "All right, let me hear it." Yeah. I mean, see, how often have any of you seen me in the white shirt with the bugles? Not often. Almost never. It's just yeah. I put it on for the the special events, the the promotions, the funerals. When you have to. When I have to. Even, even, I'll tell you, even the gray shirt, the light gray, you hardly even wore that. Nah, you, sure I did. <laughs> he was <laughs> always in uniform. Always in uniform. Come on. Loud and clear. When, when we go out, but he's always, he was always working out. He was always working out. Well, I, I, because we were, I did you, do that. I know? had my own sail up. That's right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> My wife likes me the way that I am. Suck it. Then you should be thankful. I am. In. Suck it. In. Yeah, got it. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish you quit cooking so good. It'd be a lot easier to lose weight if she was a shitty cook. <laughs> yeah, I'll take thirds. It was delicious. It's not Dude, my fault. So uh, Really? So now it's, nothing's your yeah. fault. You can't have leftovers. You just blame everybody else for your problems. This is the United States, man. Yeah. Have you been listening to nothing about his leadership <laughs> techniques? Nothing. <laughs> Dude, so. Oh, is that so what we're talking about with leadership? Let's rewind just a second. So <laughs> the the guy that I had on last night, uh, Matt Dumyancic, he's a police chaplain out in California. 
and he posted this the picture on Instagram, and it was this kind of jacked, like, National Guard dude carrying this woman in his arms, and she was had a baby. Well, her husband, and it was obviously her husband, was walking in front of them carrying a little backpack and some shoes through these floodwaters. And, like, the tagline on it was, uh, you know, start your training now, it's never too late, blah, 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 don't be that guy. And I'm like, that is a perfect analogy of, one, like, just our society and culture in general, but also of how we view, you know, to kind of bring it to the mental health aspect of the fire department, fire service, it's exactly how we view it. Somebody else is going to fix the problem. Mm-hmm. You got to take a little bit of responsibility for yourself. Just like your physical fitness, you got to take some responsibility for yourself. Be the own wind in your sails, Chris. Can I can I jump on this bandwagon here? Or do I still need to wait a little while? You can <laughs> jump on the bandwagon, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to agree with you. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. Yeah, Chris. Mark, how much are you down now? April 1st, 2018, I stepped on the scale, and I thought my scale was playing April Fool's trick on me. It said 315. The other day, it said 218. Nice. Mine uh, in October was 350. Today it was 282. boy. I just had to drop my sail, Mark. I just had to drop my sail. Yep. It's, it's all up to you. Dude, and I'm going to kind of like get on a little bit of a soapbox are we about to tear into chris instead of me for once yeah oh yes don't worry your turn will come everybody's had a turn so far (laughs) you're not going to be exempt (laughs) um hang on let me get ready (laughs) (laughs) so i was you done Hold on, I just took his mic out. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hey, did you ever hear the old story of the captain having an old axe handle on his side and he reach across the doghouse to duke the, the driver? The driver on oh, the I just head. heard that story the other day. <laughs> yeah, I needed one of those right now. Uh, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That's uh, If I was a better editor, would CGI that shit in. There you go. <laughs> um. No, dude, like I was having the conversation earlier with Josh about um, like the physical fitness and like standards and things like that about, you know, we come on the job and we have this physical standard that we have to meet, you know, and it's not a big standard by any means. I mean, it's a little bit difficult. CPAT's not easy, but it's also not. It's not difficult. Yeah. It's not buds training, you know, it's (laughs) 10 minutes out of your life that. Is not that hard. But then a lot of us get to this point where, you know, through the course of your career, whether it be just due to sheer laziness or apathy or injury or whatever, where we... Or unhealthy coping mechanisms. Oh, hmm. That's a good one. Um, we get to the point where we're extremely out of shape. And so what does that lead to? It leads to more injuries. It leads to loss in job performance. Now, and not to be overly dramatic, but you could get yourself or somebody else killed. Yep. Because you're a fat ass and you can't do the job physically. 
but you won't admit that to yourself until at what point? And you and have for to me that point was that April Fool's morning on that scale, and I said, "You're done today. You're starting now. It's over." I think mine, and was, I'm still fighting. Mine was sitting right where Chris is. I don't know, a month and a half ago, when I think you chewed into me pretty good after we turned off the camera. Probably. You'd have to be more specific. That's happened more than once. <laughs> One of those times. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so familiar. So, I just ignore ninety percent of what he says. So, but what? So, I, I kind of want to get into this with you. Your, you know, your weight loss journey and stuff. Because I mean, I remember vaguely you being really heavy, but I also remember mostly of just every time I would see you. I was bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, no, you were <laughs> dropping weight. They are you know, on the other on side. The, on the yeah. other side of it. Yeah. Um, so, like, obviously, okay, that was, like, the tipping point. But what did you do? Like, you said, okay, I'm, you're done. I'm losing weight. This is enough's enough. And you mentioned eating being an unhealthy coping skill. So, walk us through your process, man. I mean, obviously, it wasn't you just joined a CrossFit gym. and No, no. It, it, it was, most importantly, it was a mindset. And standing on that scale that April 1st morning, it flipped the switch. That was too much. Now, I knew it was coming because when you get there, you're not stepping on a scale every morning. You might step on it once every several months. But I knew clothes weren't fitting. I was getting more and more out of breath just doing mundane nothings. So I knew it was coming. In the back of my head, it was, yeah, some point in the future. But that that morning, that was that was the switch. And it's I've never I've never defaulted on that decision. Because when I say I'm gonna do something, I'm I'm doing it. And then from that point it was, it's really, um, calories in versus calories out. It didn't, you know, none of the, the stomach surgeries of, of whatever variety. It's literally, it was, I've got to start burning more calories than I'm eating. And along the way, come to find out, cortisol was a huge problem, mm-hmm. um, and that opens up a discussion of the sleep deprivation. For me, I believe the sleep deprivation from the calls overnight, busy station, and just all piling up, my cortisol was two and a half times the high end of the normal limit. And... They thought I had a little microadenoma in my pituitary causing this. So they actually went in, cut out half of my pituitary gland thinking they'd pull this. And that didn't change anything. I went back to work after recovering and my cortisol just went right back up to where it was before. And... uh, while being off with COVID for a couple of periods of time, I noticed my weight was going down a lot easier. I wasn't having to fight it. 
And I started putting two and two together about the sleep. And based off of that, oh, and by the way, the endocrinologist here in town and two at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota had no clue. They said, yeah, your cortisol is high, but we don't know why. <laughs> you are a mystery. You talk about, so, I mean, I, I went to the Mayo Clinic expecting to meet Dr. House. You know, we're going to find the, the most obscure thing here. and we're, It's not know, on Google Med. Yeah, it's, so they, they, sent, they sent us back home with no answers. That was crushing. Um, and so anyhow, I'd put two and two together about the sleep deprivation and it was for that reason that I looked at getting this office job Monday through Friday, sleeping in my bed every night. And within three days, my body was starting to heal. My cortisol has been down within normal weight loss has been, uh, resuming again and uh i feel much better mm -hmm. and and literally it's got everything working closer to normal than i have felt in a lot of years what is supremely like surprising and disheartening is that they couldn't put that together because there's a ton of studies out there specifically about you know, firefighters, cops, right. military personnel, and I guess the, the shift work in general. Yeah, yeah, the sleep deprivation, the relationship between elevated cortisol levels and all that stuff, and weight gain, and what it does to your body, and what it makes you crave. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You wake up at two a.m. for that call. You go out. You come back. Snacks snack. on your way back to your bunk. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep. And Every then, call. Yeah. And then so you wake up and you're tired. So what do you do? You have coffee with sugar in it and you have some sweet like donut or cinnamon roll. Or all the donuts. Or all the donuts. <laughs> yeah. Because Not a sugar, donut guy. <laughs> sugar, quite frankly, is addictive. It is. And so you start stacking all of that stuff. It's no surprise that firefighters and cops usually end up overweight. And, I mean, you can look at it like, so, and it's for a different reason, but, like, I'm sure we all know athletes who were, like, stud college athletes or whatever, and then you see them, or even professional players, and you see them five years after they retire, or six years after they retire, and they have ballooned up mm -hmm. ridiculously. Yeah. It's because they're not putting, they're keeping the same eating habits, not keeping the same yeah. level of physical activity. And then you stack on top of that sleep deprivation, and then you start doing a lot of bad eating habits. Right. I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster. And the super frustrating thing about that elevated cortisol, that typical calorie math, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. They say, you know, what is it, Th about a 3,300 calorie deficit, you can lose a pound of body fat. I could be over a week or a period of time, 20,000 calories in the negative, and I'm still adding body fat somehow. It was literally, 
in my mind, it felt like I am defying science. How is this possible? <laughs> this was before we discovered the cortisol. And then when we found that, it's, oh, okay. Yep. Well, it tricks your body into being in starvation mode. So everything yep. you take in, it holds. Yep, that's exactly what it was. Mark, how was your, on March 31st, 2018, how were your mental health in regards to your weight? What shame, what guilt did you carry? Because that was a big one for me, looking back on it. The ex- excuses, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. out of guilt, out of shame, out of embarrassment, out of depression, that I would make for my weight was almost overwhelming. And I think it was one of the biggest reasons I never did act on it before either. Yeah. And, and those are snowballing feelings and sensations. You know, if I feel ugly, I feel disgusting there's no point in doing anything but eating it away and and it just snowballs on itself very very quickly and uh and i would say up until the end of of march like you said yeah i was i was in that boat and that number when i stood on that scale on april 1st that scared the hell out of me because i know what you know we all know what what's coming you know you 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 stay in a physical state like that you got diabetes coming you got heart disease coming you got stroke coming life's going to be short yeah and a lot of that stuff once it happens is not fixable no no so it's permanent damage yeah Yeah. and i said that's it that's it and my resolve has never wavered on that so where's your resolve, Chris? <laughs> Bringing it back around. I mean, he asked you a question. Don't know. That's a chief talking to you. I'm talking to you. Don't know. Well, he doesn't have it. No. I well, mean, I'll be with you every step of the way, man. If you want to do it, all you got to do is tell me. Mm. I'll tell you this, the, f- the hardest part of it was for me was the first two weeks. Yeah, it's always hard to start. That's the hardest part. After the first two weeks, it was <clears throat> more routine, just mm-hmm. kind of basic shit, and then I could easily add on to it. But that, but it's never easy. No. no. I think it's it's never one easy. of the hardest parts for me is doing the food right. That's always been the hardest part. So I've laughed at myself several times. Because, you know, what, what are we, 20, is that five, coming up on five years into this journey for health and weight loss. Somehow or other, I have created healthy cravings for food where I don't, I would much rather eat fresh vegetables, fruits, a piece of grilled chicken, over a fast food hamburger any day. And they're like, where's the salad? I'm like, wait a minute, what did I just say? <laughs> I mean, no, really, I'm like, this is what I've become. Okay, where's the salad? Um, but it's all about what you take in. So, uh, I, mean, I, think I, I like salad. Problem is, I like dressing too. And I don't like dry 
lettuce. How's your portion control, Chris? That was the biggest one for me. With portion yeah, portion control. control is hard too. Yeah. I'm definitely a glutton. Me too. Because well, I could eat a whole large pizza in one setting and not blink twice. Been there. I and can't now, do that. And now two pieces, I'm like, yeah. Now, like, give me a whole tombstone pizza, I can eat that. But it's not <laughs> as much bread. <laughs> <laughs> like flatbread pizza, uh, I can eat the whole thing. Lifestyle change yeah. Is, yeah. is what it boils down to. It, you know, fad diets and all of these things, like, you have to do something that is sustainable for yeah. you. And, you know, like a workout program, a meal plan that is sustainable, you know, that will take you a long way. Mm -hmm. And like what Mark was saying, you know, obviously, you know, you're a shift worker. Yeah. Sleep is definitely an issue. When I leave, I'm fucking tired. Yeah. And then I know I still have to do schoolwork. And then I I know I got to do this and that. And I'm just like, I just want to take a nap because I'm fucking tired. So I didn't get a good, I didn't. Even if I don't run a call at night, oh yeah, I don't, don't sleep. Yeah, the thing that has worked for me, and I'm saying this, this works for me. It might not work for you, so whatever you could try it if you don't like it, or you don't have to try it. Whatever, what works for me is I work out first thing in the morning, whether or not I am tired or whatever. And you know, I listen to other podcasts, and you know fitness experts or whatever and they're like oh no if you're tired then you go take a nap and then you go work out and blah 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 blah. that doesn't work for me because what happens is i'll come home i'll take a nap and then i don't work out yeah what works for me is i have the same routine every day whenever i get home from the station i come in say hello to my wife we might talk for 20 minutes or so but by 8 30 i'm down here working out and i'll work out for 30 minutes or an hour or however long it is, but it's the very first thing that I do whenever I get home from work. And then after that, you know, I'm in the shower and done and ready to go for the rest of my day by nine, nine thirty, And I'm not tired anymore. Now in the afternoon, if I'm, you know, Oh, I need to take a little nap around two o'clock or whatever. I'll do that. But for the most part, I try to stay up until it's time to go to bed so that way I can go to bed at 9.30 or 10 o'clock or whatever and then get up the next morning at 6, 6.30 and do it all over again. Do it all again. Yeah. And that way. See, I still wake up early. Yeah. And if I, whether I nap or not, come bedtime, no. I'll, I'll lay there. I will tell you or that I adding. Stay asleep. I will tell you that adding in a workout, you will sleep better. Yep. See, even, when, even when we were at the, the station doing that. It Before takes, medic school. It takes time, Chris. It's not gonna it's, you're it, not gonna it's not an off and on one day. Yeah, no, it it was it, it was a good year. I mean I lost a bunch of weight when we were there. And then we went to medic school and gained it all back because yeah. time. Then you didn't yeah. have time to go to the gym. No, you didn't. Yeah. But even then terrible. I still didn't sleep. Yeah. I even even as a kid playing sports and working out every day and when I was in good shape, sleep has never been there for me. I don't even, have, even as a baby. Maybe, maybe my mom should, will attest to it. I did not sleep as a baby. Well, that sounds like there's something wrong with you. Oh, we knew that. Yeah, that's why yeah, I do the job that I do. Add it to the list. <laughs> yeah. So, but Shit, we're on a new page. I mean, it's not an excuse. It's just that's the reality yeah. of, no, of what, what I, I go through every day. I what I'm sleep. telling you, what I'm telling you is what works for me is having a routine. 
And then being able to do that, do it first thing in the morning. And then I keep my days off, like go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time. I keep it as much of a routine as possible to try to at least oh, yeah, I still go to bed combat, the same time try to at time. least combat that interruption of the circadian rhythm that we have at work. And it, it, I think it works well for me. Like I said, it might not work as well for you. It might not work for you at all. Our dogs wake us up early no matter what, so we're good there. But I would encourage you to to try that. Or, you know, figure out a routine that works for you, man. If it's you don't want to work out till the afternoon, but and you can commit to doing that every day, then by all means, do that. But it's doing it consistently at the same time every day will lead to better benefits. See, like right now? I'm waking up. I can feel my energy starting to climb. That's because we're pounding your ass and you're in a corner. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give a fuck about that. <laughs> Nobody puts baby you in a corner. You think I value your opinions? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I do. But but this is every night. It's the same thing. It's, I start ramping up. And it's time to go to bed and my wife starts snoring. The dogs are snoring. And I'm just there. Damn, you just added your wife like that on the podcast. Dude, everybody knows she snores. It's not a secret. Yeah. I think that <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. I think it gets mentioned at least once yeah. a podcast. Her snoring is epic. <laughs> Can't be any worse than his. <laughs> My routine, one thing that I really found is a benefit that the day job, which I've never... I've never had a day job before taking this office spot this yeah. summer. Not, I mean, I started working when I was 14. I was working long weekend nights, and I've been some manner of shift work since then. So what I started doing this summer after transferring over to the office, get up, hit my bike, live right over by the uh, – not Katie Trail, uh, Rock Island Corridor Trail over there. And uh, just wearing that thing out every morning. Get out those summer mornings, watch the sun come up while you're out exercising, and your day just starts so much better. My sleep definitely was better when I was off for that year. Mm-hmm. Have you had your cortisol checked? So I'll go to the doctor. I don't like the doctor. Go ask about that. <laughs> all they do is give you bad news all the time. <laughs> now, I will, it's like I will, watching the news. It's depressing. I will say, so <laughs> don't don't allow them to just do the blood a blood draw for cortisol because it follows a circadian rhythm and it spikes in the morning to get you ramped up to basically attack your day, and then it tapers off through the day and tapers off to next to nothing. So you can calm down, relax, and go to sleep at night. And so a single blood draw is only going to catch a snapshot where it's at right then. Unfortunately, you have to do a 24-hour urine collection to get an accurate read of your full daily cycle of cortisol. That's not fun, but that's how that's how they measure it. Was that? You just pee in a cup every time you do it? Yeah. Well, bring it in? Yeah. Um, just You got a big jug. They're about like two liters, and I'd fill about one and a half up in a 24-hour period. 
That it smelled awesome. Yeah. That ain't it ain't fun, but that's how that's how you do it. <laughs> and then <laughs> hope the lid don't pop off. <laughs> 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 yeah. Fortunately they're pretty secure. That sounds like a city vehicle time to <laughs> take it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna it, need this detailed. It's yeah. not glamorous whatsoever, but oh, uh, I yeah, no. It, he he's not wrong though. It's something that you might want to to check out because even whenever we were working out consistently, you had a harder time, and part of that could be your body type. There's some of it. So, and then your diet never did really get dialed in. I think that body type can often be used as a crutch. You're not wrong on that. Yeah. You're not wrong on that. Yeah. Um, As I keep pushing for a little bit less weight, I've had people say, oh, why aren't you happy with what? No, I am happy with where I'm at. I'm the improvements of where I'm at versus where I was is immense. But I want just a little bit more. Um, and, well, what if it's just your body type? Well, I'm not satisfied with that because I want to get away. You know, there, there's that measurement. Uh, if your belly circumference is 40 inches or greater, your your chances of stroke or heart attack or some sort of, you know, clotting disorder is greatly increased you get further away from that 40 inch girth and your numbers get way better and that's that's what i'm pushing for mark let me ask you this when you were a battalion chief and you had a i'm still a battalion chief you were a field battalion chief (laughs) boom (laughs) um obviously today's culture is a lot more politically correct than when you guys started, how do you hold uh, men and women, different religions, everything accountable to themselves and something like that while also not landing yourself up in a meeting? The golden rule. I think if, if you can employ that in any relationship that you have with whomever it is, Whatever demographic, golden rule, do unto others as you would have done to you. I'm going to treat you with respect, regardless of what your demographics are. I'm going to treat you with respect, regardless of what your demographics are, and just all the way across the table. And truthfully, if you're just not an (laughs) a-hole... I mean, if you... If you can genuinely pull that off, that answers the diversity, equity, and inclusion because you're treating people with genuine respect, and then that begets respect. Fair enough. Chris, do you know what that's like to not be an (laughs) a-hole? I didn't know if you've adapted that into your Hmm. leadership style yet. He's silent. Hmm. You guys smell that burning? <laughs> <laughs> there may be some smoke coming out of those headphones. <laughs> it's it's his turn if you want to <laughs> just go for it. You know, I'm only an asshole to certain people, and that's because they didn't understand that they had to give respect to 
and you reach a limit with people. They're like, all right, I'm fucking done. And then I'm going to treat them the way they treated me. And if you don't like the fact that I'm being an asshole to you, maybe you should look in the mirror. So, but to do two, two right or two wrongs make a right. Nope. Sometimes you have to fight fire with fire. There are those times. I'm sorry. People might not like it, but it's true. So we're in a profession where we fight fire with water. <laughs> I don't know if you've figured that out yet. Oh, so you've never seen the wildland firefighters start? <laughs> we're not wildland firefighters. Hey, it's still firefighting. Yeah, but it's not what we do. It doesn't matter. And those it's guys have still, way more balls than us. It, it's still Here's what boss. I'm not doing is dropping into a fucking fire with a parachute and a shovel. Yeah. Not doing it. Yeah. Nope. nope. Not doing it. Not but it still it. applies. <laughs> Whether you want to believe it or not, it applies. You can be nice, 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 nice for so long that eventually you're just like, all right, new tactic. I think because not, not one tactic works on every person. That's true. You do have to adjust and you have to reach people how you can reach them but i think there's a you don't have to be an asshole about it i think there comes a point when you do no i think there's a point where you need to be stern okay so i've been stern brant <laughs> sees it as an asshole because he's sensitive <laughs> you can't uh, you can't uh you know his interpretation of how you act is that's on him. That's on you. You can't, you can't control that. No, uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm going to stop you here. Been, I've never been an asshole Actually, to anybody. No, no, no. I'm going to stop you here, Chris, because define nice, right? You're going to sit here, and I'm I'm playing devil's advocate. You'll sit here and say, I'm nice, I'm nice, I'm nice, I'm nice. Define nice. Is that your standard? Because as we know through this podcast, the whole base of it is that people are literally fighting battles that we will never understand sometimes. And part of being a leader is taking the time and opening your mind to be able to not necessarily understand with it, but at least empathize with it. So you want me to coddle people? No. And I think there's somebody sitting right to your right that can tell you the difference between the two. Yeah, you don't have to coddle. That's kind of what he's saying, because my nice isn't good enough. Be aware that any variety of problem could be troubling the employee to your left or to your right. You have no idea. And until you take the time to try to listen, sometimes you just don't understand. And you're not always going to know what's going on. They won't. Some, some folks will never tell. But it's still there and it's still being an anchor. And giving that person respect first. I agree with that. Can do a lot to pave a, a road towards a mutually beneficial end. Yeah, I agree. And I've never come in screaming and yelling either. I'm not that guy. I never have been. Yeah, maybe my 20s, because I was stupid. I remember a Chris that did not give a shit about me at one point. Who doesn't care about you? I remember that, Chris. I remember that road was not paved. I remember that respect was not given. I don't remember that. I sure do. Maybe that's how you felt. 
Oh. I can't control that. Oh, but can you? No. How am I supposed to control your feelings? Mm-hmm. Those, that's a you problem. If you felt disrespected, you should have said something and we could have had a conversation. Hey, man, it's nothing personal. I don't really know you. But uh, since you're kind of new and shit, if you just want to, you're going to be on the ambulance all day today. That's just kind of how it is, man. Yeah, I it's said nothing that. personal. It wasn't personal. And I was wrong for that. And I know that. But that doesn't mean I was being an asshole. It wasn't personal to you. They have it to me all the time, too. And but, I did, but I didn't cry about it. I'm, I didn't cry about it either. But it goes back to when we're talking about leadership. And this is something, I mean, it's no, how many times, Jeremy, have you, we had the conversation, the three of us on this show, just because we think it is not an emergency doesn't mean it's not the biggest emergency for the person that called for us today. Right. And that style and leadership can't be any different. And if um, that had happened to you previously, how did that make you feel when you got stuck on an ambulance for 24? It just was what it was. Status quo, because that's always going to promote change, right? Well, so seriously, I it was will, what it was. So let's hold on, because I think we're we're kind of getting we're having a healthy debate. I kind of like it. And Mark's our yeah. moderator. But, <laughs> <laughs> so you also have to remember the time frame that you're talking about. So ambulance was pretty new at the time, and we didn't have the understanding or the knowledge that we have now of how bad it was to be on there for 24 hours. Cause I remember when we first started the ambulance service and that's what we were doing. Like I would go from station to station working on squads and it'd be like, okay, well we do 24 hours and everybody's like, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're going to, because if we do 24 hours today, then we're going to be off it for two days, three days, whatever, before we have to be back on it. So everybody had that idea in their head. Well, what invariably happened was, okay, well, I did my 24 hours, and then, well, Firefighter B, who was supposed to be on it today, well, he's off sick. And Firefighter C, well, they're taking, you know, a V-Day, or they've got somebody working for them. Well, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, we're going to have a trade time guy on there, and blah, blah, blah. So then I'm on the ambulance for another 24 and then, okay, well, now I'm supposed to be off it for two days. Well, Firefighter B and Firefighter C, they've got vacation scheduled, you know, and we're hiring overtime. And then so you end up in this rabbit hole of being stuck there. And what was happening to guys, they were like, fuck it, I'm done. Like, this is enough's enough. I don't <clears throat> want to do this anymore. I spent like, multiple shifts in a row, 24s. Yeah. And I mean, did it suck? Yeah. Did I make mistakes back then? Yeah. But that's why we have the rule now that we have of nobody does more than 12. Yeah. And we have adjusted because we realized... Except our single rules. Yeah. Which... <laughs> not We're not talking about that. Uh, <laughs> we're not getting very... We're trying not to be specific here, okay? <laughs> but we found out that the running the level of calls... And mm-hmm. this is nationwide, right? Call volume has just exploded right. in the past four or five years. Yep. Of being on an ambulance for 24 hours and then, oh, well, okay, well, now we need you to work overtime or it's mandatory, mandatory. And, you're, and you're stuck. So now it's 48 hours. 
doing that much time in a row on the ambulance of whether you're the EMT or you're the paramedic, it is counterproductive to say the least mm-hmm. for number one, just your physical health and number two, your mental health, because you have, you're going basically from call to call. A lot of times you're yep. never back at the station. Like, I mean, I've worked at stations where that ambulance leaves at seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning and we don't see them till dinner time. Mm-hmm. And then they're only coming back for shift change. Now imagine if they don't have to come back for shift change. Right. Yeah, I remember going out of service just to get something to eat. Yeah, or go to the bathroom. Yeah, or change out of my blue jeans. So we, over time, we learned that this crap is not okay, and we need to make changes. And you know, at the the base level, a lot of guys made those changes before it ever came down. Of okay, look, this is not working out, guys. We need to do something different for our station we're going to do 12s or we're going to do 8s mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever it may be. I've seen guys doing the 6, 12, 6 now. Yeah. yeah. That's actually kind of nice. nice. I've, it, I think it works in certain places. If you're well, if you're attached to a slower, to a pumper that doesn't run as much, I think it works. But if you're on a busy pumper company as well, well it I, doesn't work as much. I think basically there is no one answer. There's not whenever it comes to that, it's going to have to be tailored station to station and even possibly even shift to shift. Mm -hmm. Guys are going to do things differently because they have to figure out what works for them. Yeah. Jeremy, do you realize how literally everything you just said in regards to ambulances and staffing on one department, Mm -hmm. that same methodology could be used almost for leadership throughout all of public service and or mental health in public service? Mm -hmm. That's why I said it. God, you're fucking good. I'm I'm not as dumb as I look. But with that being <laughs> said, too, um, and this isn't actually directed at Chris, but just like, especially our top leaders in general, how often are we seeing that problem with the inability to adapt or the small minority of people adapting but still making policies or whatever it may be on a status quo? It happened to me. I did it. It's how you learn. It's I. It, well, it's so and and to answer your question and maybe you can answer this a little bit better than than I can but that's where we go back to talking about ego of taking your ego out of it and looking at the big picture in general you know if you're just focused on your narrow little window then you're not going to see everything and being able to say okay just because I did this this way for however long doesn't mean that it's the best way to do it so let's take, get some more education, look at maybe departments around us or, you know, take a training seminar or whatever and find out what's working in other places and go, okay, all right, maybe this will work for us. Let's give it a shot. You know, and that's what you got to do. And it's no different than Mark when he talked about his IBM incident. He doesn't have to be rescue qualified. Right. He doesn't have to be the steel expert of the department. He just created an atmosphere mm-hmm. to where everybody could do their jobs at the best of their ability and flourish and succeed. Mm-hmm. Right. It's set your people up for success. God, yeah. how many times have I said right. that on this podcast? And <laughs> I want to leap off of that and add to it, not just let's figure out a way how we can structure the shifts on the ambulance to make it less distasteful. Right. 
we actually need to engender in our culture that the ambulance work is not a punishment. It's harder work many times. It's longer mm-hmm. hours many times. I, I, I get that because, you know, my butt's been in those seats. So I get that piece of it. But it's a very important piece of what we do as first responders. And to me, those are some of my favorite days, the ones where I bounce from call to call to call. It seems like, for me anyway, those are the days where I actually get sick patients and actually have the opportunity to make a difference. To make a difference in that, you know, one person's life at a time. And that's fulfilling to me. Yeah. And changing our culture to see the time spent on an ambulance not as a punishment, but as a piece of what keeps us relevant. Yeah, well, I mean, what is it? Like, it's over 80%. Yeah, 85%. Yeah, 85% of what we do. Yeah, it used to be 70-something, and now it's, yeah, it's 80-something. Yeah, it's 80-something percent of what we do is EMS. And, you know, I had this conversation um, with the guys at the station, and we've got some younger guys there. And one of them had, he said something that really kind of stuck with me of, he goes, I have helped more people directly on this ambulance than I ever have on the fire truck. I had the exact same conversation. I picked up over time at one of the busy, ego-ridden midtown stations. And it was a, I picked up the back half of of the shift and it was a winter night. So I grabbed a long sleeve t-shirt out of my closet and it said on the back department name and EMS instead of saying fire. One of the captains saw that and said, Hey man, I don't really like that t-shirt you have on. And I didn't even pay attention to what it said. I just, it was, department yeah. t-shirt i just put it on and he says yes yeah, ems you're a fireman well, actually i've saved more lives with my emt license than i than i have had the opportunity with a fire hose so if i've earned any t-shirt it's this one and i meant that yeah and he all right i got you i see your point and so he kind of backed off of that judgmental perspective of it didn't say fire. It said EMS. Yeah. Well, and not wrong. No. Not wrong at all. No. And that's something that, as a culture, we got to kind of ingrain and engender right. and all of that stuff. Right. Like, and bring that change about because and we've talked about it moran we've talked about it over and over again of you know we get these new kids that come in and they get on the ambulance and then you've got old salty vet sitting in the corner the gator the gator and and he's like oh you're on that fucking suck box oh that sucks and blah 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 how many times do you think it's going to take them listening to that before they get to feel the same way of, oh, man, this ambulance sucks and 
blah, blah, blah. It's your job. Yeah. It's probably one of the most important parts of your job. And, but and on the same tip, on the same tip, even though it is 85% of our job, going forward, doing the firefighting aspect of it, how do we get those younger people trained and up to speed on the fire side if they're spending half of their time on the ambulance? That is an extreme challenge. And I, I know quite a few of our newer people that have that beef. Like, I, I do good on my job when I'm on the box. I ain't fought a fire yet. I've never followed my captain in on a hose line. I don't know what that's like. And that's, we've got to get more people in the door is one piece of the answer do we lower the standards to get those people in the door i sure hope not <laughs> i sure hope not that because that's not doing anybody any favors yeah. no memphis <laughs> so um and then in in the meantime train oh you mean that's a four-letter word i know is, is that that thing we do where we log on the computer and watch a video <laughs> no oh well i mean <laughs> I, I got a good story about that. I'll tell no. you guys after we stop recording. Um, but, yeah, th and that's a big thing with me, even in my role of, okay, I'm – I go to – SAS officer? Yes. That's fun police is what I like to call it. Um, I am uh, in charge of no one and responsible for everyone, so, therefore, I am the fun police. Um, but, you know, you go to fires, and I have the ability to see what everybody's doing. Because that's my job. Yeah. I got to pay attention to everybody. Right. And make sure, okay, uh, dumb dumbs not crawling up a ladder that's not butted or, you know, whatever it may be. And to go back and go through all that stuff in my head and go, okay, so what do we need to train on as a district? You know, without calling anybody out or anything like that, but noticing those little deficiencies that maybe we could do this a little bit better. And not saying that I've seen anything that is like glaring of we got to fix this now, but it's like, okay, well, every once in a while those pop up. Yeah. And so far they haven't, yeah. but you know, I've been to several fires and you know, by and large, I got no complaints about how guys do stuff. Do I have some ideas about how maybe we could do stuff a little bit better? It'll be a little bit more efficient. Absolutely. And we're going to address those, yeah. but it's, that's just part of trying to make the job a little bit better on the fire side. Yep. Now, I would say we've got the luxury, the collective knowledge and experience across the job. We do really well at fighting fires, but we can't sit on that. It's got to be passed on. Yeah, it's it's got to be passed on, and we have to look for opportunities where we can still improve, make things better and more efficient and safer. And that also comes with changing the concept of what's in our culture. Um, yeah. Getting there the quickest is not always <laughs> the best. And, Jeremy, yeah. you and I have talked about, too, 
we're doing ourselves a disservice with not being honest what the job actually is. In our advertisements and our the media or you know TV, sure Hollywood sure as hell doesn't help us. Right. But we don't we don't advertise what it is. We're not honest with people when they come on. Help people. Be a firefighter. Look cool. That's what we tell them. Yeah. It's not very cool, is it? <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go pick up this fat hundred five hundred pound guy. And he's, he's going to have piss jars. And he's going to be high on PCP. Yeah. yeah. All around and his And he's going to fight you. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to get pee on you. Yeah. You're going to get poop on you. You're going to get every manner of body fluid on you at some point. So wear your gloves, Moran. Uh, there are plenty of calls where gloves don't even stop that. If, for those of us that actually... <laughs> For those of us that actually do patient care, Jeremy, I know you're excluded from this, you'll learn that the glove stops here, and somehow it will always work its way up to here, whatever you get into. He's not doing the medic thing right. Uh, yeah. You got to delegate that, man. Yeah. yeah. The only, I have had, I have had poop on me one time and one time only, and I saw it coming, and there was nothing I could do to avoid it. And told the guy to keep his hands to himself, and what did he do? He reached up and grabbed me by the t-shirt, yep. right around the neck. Yep. I got the poo on me. <laughs> I, <got> the- <laughs> I did not. Him? I did not get any of it on my skin. I don't know how I got the shirt off my head without getting it on me, but I off. did not. No, I didn't cut it off. That's, uh, you should have puked on him. I <laughs> man, I was, I was pretty close to. Not being a super nice guy, but <laughs> you almost pulled a Chris. I, I almost pulled a Chris. <laughs> almost. A Chris I haven't we heard 10. more stories about Moran being an asshole to people? No, on this I mean, show. No, I think we we'll have to go back and start looking at things. Oh, were you talking really? about the personal accountability episode where I started to take accountability of myself? You should do one of those. It's really nice. <gasps> yeah, I did that a long time ago. Sorry. Prove it. I just don't need the pat on the back. <laughs> Wow! Now he's too busy patting his gut. <laughs> he can't reach. <laughs> Just kidding, buddy. I love it when the pots start talking. <laughs> I, I I gotta say, I'm a. I thought you would fire back a little bit better. I'm a little disappointed. Nope. <laughs> Taking the high road, man. That's tough. He's being nice. That's really tough. I'm sure climbing those stairs. You mean he was hard. listening? Yeah, he might have been sleeping over there. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I, I muted his mic again so he couldn't hear yeah. snoring. <laughs> oh. oh, all right. Well, Moran, you got anything else? Is this our final thought round? This is going to be our final thought round. Unless you got something else you would like to, uh, some conversation you'd like to kick off. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, we, I know we could sit here and just shoot the breeze all night long. We definitely could. We definitely We'd could. Probably get canceled or fired. <laughs> or both. <laughs> or both. Which I had that conversation earlier today with uh, Josh Krasovic, came back on, former cop. And uh, I was talking about that. And like, you know, I don't think, I think I'm like Dave Chappelle. I don't think I can get canceled. And mostly... <laughs> As opposed to Dave Chappelle, nobody knows who I am, so you can't cancel me because you don't know who the hell I am. Yeah, perfect. 
Stay low. Fly under the radar. Under the radar. But that's kind of uh, counterproductive to the message we're trying to send out here. We want to be above the radar. We want everybody to know who we are. And, you know, actually, did have one more thought. Okay. So, you asked me how many times to come be a guest. Um, good God. At least uh, five times. At least. Yeah. And I finally did ag- agree mm-hmm. after saying, nah, that's really not. Because my mindset is always try to stay under the radar, stay out of the limelight. I, I don't want to be the spotlight of any sort of attention. But then I got to thinking about, by some weird quirk of this universe, I've been placed into a position that seems to have some influence on people. And the way I go about fulfilling that role in the servant leadership role, like you you mentioned, James, seems to be effective. And I've had some people say, hey, I'm shaping my career because I've seen you do this, that, or the other thing. And so, well, I'm obviously not hidden. If I can come on here and help, help share any of these ideas, that's, that's what made me agree to come on here. So I can maybe help somebody as they're getting through something. Awesome. There's well, less about me and more about your so, objectives with these podcasts to reach out for healthy lifestyles and effective well, leadership. Thank you. I appreciate that because that is the whole point. And we need more people and not even necessarily to come on the podcast, but we need more people to be open and honest and vocal about that type of stuff. And it's like, you don't know the impact that you're going to have just having a conversation, being open about that kind of stuff, because it might be, you have this conversation today and five years from now, Mm -hmm. because you never know what you're going to say that's going to affect somebody or touch somebody in a way, you know, and you know, we'll upload this podcast and it's going to do what it's going to do. And somebody from God knows where, might see it and go, you know what? I like that idea. Or that speaks to me in some way that, you know, it's keeping the ball rolling, keeping, keeping it moving. The passing of the baton. Exactly. And being just a small part of being able to help the culture and the job in general Mm -hmm. to get a little bit better, you know, because, Obviously, we don't want to see more firefighters commit suicide. Yeah. We want to see firefighters that stay fit and healthy and mentally strong, spiritually strong, all that stuff going forward. Because, look, we spend a lot of time in these careers. We want to be able to walk out the other side yeah. and enjoy our retirement. Yeah. Enjoy the next phase of your life. Being and a papa. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if I'd have stayed 300 plus, I wouldn't be very good. You wouldn't be point. chasing them around very no, much. No, not at all. I mean, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. You know, Mark, I, 
for my final thought, it, you, you took my point almost pretty well. This this podcast, this episode has the opportunity to be your buggy. Just like you set and learned and took that style in and made it yours. If one person hears this and either A, adapts it, reads up on it more, or just has a conversation with you about yeah. it, had how to develop it more, yeah. then it is successful. I like that. My buggy here. <laughs> <laughs> Changing the name of the podcast. Yeah. Mark's buggy. <laughs> Mark's buggy. I like that. <laughs> is he going to start one then? Is that is that what we're hearing? No. Liar. You're going to see it in two weeks. No, I'm spending <laughs> yeah. my money on Jeep parts. <laughs> How many times have I heard that? I've showed you pictures, <laughs> and I've said it. It's all sitting, it's all sitting there. He's got them. I'm still waiting on the phone call of, "Hey, come help me put this part together." When I get a tub, uh-huh. and we need to lift and carry it to the frame. Oh, that's all I'm good for is that's manual, all, manual, manual yeah. labor. Yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah. yeah. That's I mean, fair. I don't blame him. That's I wouldn't. Fair. I wouldn't let me work on my Jeep either. <laughs> yeah, I've seen how you work on your Jeep. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Final thoughts, Chris. Hmm. So many come to mind, and you're going to say none of them, probably. No, I. I think it's. Um, he's thinking just, about what he's going to have dessert when he gets home. Damn right, cherry cheesecake. <laughs> you got some? I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> She's got it dialed in, man. <laughs> but it's it's just I think it's just about getting better. You're gonna make mistakes. Yep. As you grow. Yep. You, you know, and, and people don't remember the good things and the way you've changed. They remember the bad things. And you can't focus on them. You got to focus on okay, I made this mistake, but now I'm doing it this way, and I keep doing it this way, even when it comes to the weight loss or. Whatever, you know, all, everything we talked about, it's all about moving forward and getting better. That's all it is. And even while you're getting better, you're going to fuck up. Yeah. Oh, You're yeah. going to stumble and fall. You're going to make the mistakes. Yep. But you just keep moving forward. And even when people don't see it, it doesn't matter because you know you've done it. You just keep going. Yeah. Well, it's like that shirt that I got from the Tilvahala project. It's, you know, you can crawl you can walk you can run but always forward yeah you know and it's easier to pick yourself up and move on when you not have the weight of ego burdening you down yep it's hard to get rid of it's hard to swallow your pride it is it is and especially in this culture mm-hmm. in this in this job it's ego can be huge yeah. Yeah. once you learn how to do it though it gets easier to yeah. admit you fucked up yeah. or you don't know an answer. Yeah. Well, and that's part of, I know we're doing final thoughts, but we're just keeping <laughs> on going here. Um, that's part of leadership though, is you, you're not going to have all the answers. No. So, but the important part is making a decision and then going wherever that decision takes you and then realizing shit, this wasn't the right call. I'm going to make another one. It's making call after call after call and making decisions, making mm-hmm. decisions yeah. and being able to go and then having taken that ego out of it and going, all right, well, that wasn't a great decision. Let's pivot. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to do it be, this way. I'm going to try this this way next time. Yeah. I'm not the same person I was with what Rand was asking or saying. Yeah. And he's 100% right. 
but I'm not that guy anymore. I'll, I'll edit that out. <laughs> so No, I'm, you should leave it in. <laughs> he, he needs to get credit for when he's right. It doesn't happen often. <laughs> oh, to tie all that back to mental health, though, it's no different. Like, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, oh, well, I went to therapy this one time and it didn't work. Okay, great. Well, you did what? Talk therapy? Okay, fine. Try EMDR. You got to keep trying the things that are going to work. Like if Mark would have gave up after going to see three doctors who obviously had their head up their ass and never done any research. About- well, that also goes back to the cultural competency. Now, and, I'm, and it's more mental health, but even doctor-wise, from the medical side, you got to know where they're coming from. Well, my We're, point- we're going to show different stuff than a coal miner. Well, you got to know that. So, but my point with what I was saying was you have to be your own advocate. And oh, the yeah. important part of the important part of it is not giving up. Just because this one treatment didn't work for you doesn't mean that the next one won't. Yeah, you might have to go through five or six before you yeah, find what yeah. works. Because and and weight loss and being physically fit, that's not a lot different than your mental health. Because what works for him to lose weight might not work for you. It might not work for me to be fit. And the workouts that I do might not work for you. You're not going to get the same benefit because we're all individuals. And there's going to be bad days, whether it's mental health improvement, physical health you're trying to improve. There's going to be bad days. I mean, when those Mayo doctors sent us back to KC without any answers, man, that ripped my guts out. I had probably inflated expectations but i was eviscerated coming from there did you but have, i didn't stop did you have bigger expectations because you thought some of the responsibility may be put off you and it, there may be something else to explain it instead of just your own will and your own mental strength yeah possibly yeah um when I went up to Mayo, we did know the cortisol was a problem. And that's, they sent us up there after the pituitary surgery didn't change anything. I'm like, well, we don't know. We send you up to the experts. They know everything. That's literally how I got pitched. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, we'll figure this out. They said, plan on like a week, week and a half. We'll probably run a bunch of tests. And, uh, nope, go home tomorrow. But I didn't stop. Well, I think when you go somewhere like the Mayo Clinic, you're expecting the best of the best. And they're going to know what they're talking about. So, of course, your expectations are going to be high for that. I will will say they were right (laughs) because my endocrinologist here in KC had put the diagnosis in Cushing syndrome. But the two doctors up there, like... Yeah, I see your cortisol is elevated, but I don't see all of the rest of the laundry list that comes along with Cushing syndrome. Because you would present like this, 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 and this, and you're not. So yes, your cortisol is elevated. We just don't know what to call it or what to do about it. Did they ever ask about your sleep schedule or do a sleep study, anything like that? They did not. So... See, and that's so with, maybe they learn that learn that lesson. Like, hey, maybe we should look at this avenue yeah. as well and add that into yeah. our testing. 
Yeah, because well, doctors are going to make mistakes. They're human. Yeah, That's why it's yeah. practicing medicine. Practicing medicine, medicine yeah. Because yeah. you're going to mess up, and you're like, okay, I learned. But again, it goes back to you keep moving forward. Right? Yeah. Well, and that goes to being your own advocate and going to finding a doctor that knows that kind of stuff about, oh, well, you're a fireman. So this is like, this is what's happening with your body while you're not sleeping or while you're sleeping. This is, you know, the stress levels and these are the things that, you know, affect you and these are common problems. Because I can guarantee you 100%, you're not the only person that this is a problem for. No. No. Like any one of us, you could take us and do a, you know, a blood test or a a hormone test and they're going to be jacked up. Yep. So, I mean, it's no different than the the bell study. Everybody knows about that. Mm -hmm. You know, where the, the bells go off and it makes your heart do this and it shortens your life by 10 minutes. Okay, great. That's fantastic. We know that now. So what does everybody do? They go to tones. Well, guess what the most recent study says? Still have the same problem. See, I haven't noticed it with the tones and the stations I work that have them. I don't notice that jolt or my heart rate increase or anything like that. So I've read several here recently that it takes a little bit, but then you start to associate that tone with what comes after. All right. So Pav- all those Pavlov levels. and his dogs. Exactly. So then it starts to go back up. So like whenever we were at that mm. one station where we were at the second time together, mm-hmm. right? So you remember in the bunk room, you could hear the printer go off for a call before the bells would ring. Mm-hmm. I was at home asleep on my couch. Rachel was in the office typing away, hit the printer button. I jumped off the couch and ran into the wall trying to get to the <laughs> trying to get to the pumper because I was wow. in yeah. my sleep. I was at work and like everything spiked oh, yeah. from the sound I, I, of the printer. I've gotten up and put yeah. my jeans on like my, my bunkers. Jane had to yell at me, "Hey, go back to bed!" Because my phone went off or something. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's no different. You're gonna get conditioned to those sounds, and it's gonna have the same internal effect. Yep. So now they're, they're experimenting with no sound and just lights. And uh, they think that's going to... That's not going to wake me up. Let me tell you that right now. See, yeah. lights wake me up. Bells, I'll sleep through them. But lights wake me up. I sleep through lights. I won't sleep through bells. Yeah. I've slept through bells. No, I have. Don't get me wrong. I have. <laughs> oh, I've to, yes. So. I've had to be woken hey, up We got to run. Yeah. Yeah. And mine is if I don't take a nap... I'm more likely to sleep through a call. If I get a nap, I'm up. I'm good to go. Or if I'm not in an office where I had the issue while I was floating of one of the stations, the the lights over the captain's the bed in the office, they don't come on. They come on the office side, but not the bedside. Mm. And I had an issue with that to the point where I started sleeping in the chair in the office side. Mine was just, you know, when you're on the ambulance and you're up, you can't fall asleep. You can't yep. sleep through a call. <laughs> <laughs> you know how many times I just slept in the chair in the cab of the ambulance? Oh. I just kicked my chair back and was like I have I, I know I'm buggy. gonna I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna be up again in twenty minutes. I have so gotten in trouble for that twice. Um one was at your old station and one was at my old station. <laughs> like just one of those days you get your dog shit kicked in mm-hmm. and Sleeping in the thing, the uh, 
the ambulance computer goes off. I got hit it. Fall back asleep. Oops. EMT didn't wake up. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> I, did, I did it staging. It was wintertime. We did the heat blasting. We were staging on the apron. So we hit stage. Pumper was next to us. It'd been one of those days where we ran all day. We're running all night. Yeah. Fell asleep. I just hear Pumper so-and-so on scene. Kind of, uh-huh. Look, oh, they're gone. We're sleeping. Like, hey, man. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> See, but that that goes back to that point yeah. we were talking about earlier of doing the twenty four hours on the ambulance, or even to the point of running as much as even, some even, of these ambulances are running, even in a twelve hour shift. Yeah, is it's not feasible. It's not healthy. So we need to start but maybe even, breaking even it our, up a little bit. Even our pumpers yeah. are starting to run that high volume. Or, yeah, and it, you know they might not be there as long <clears throat> on scene. Waking up is still waking up. You're still waking up. You're still yep. putting your, your bunkers on. Yep. You're getting on the rig. You're going. Some Most time you're getting off and then, okay, hey, we, we got this. We don't need you guys. Okay, cool. Yeah. Get back on the bumper. Go back. Especially if it's cold. It. You get out and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm awake now. Yeah. <laughs> or even even in the summer, you're now you're sweating. Yeah. And it's, it's not just us. It's everybody. And the AC in the stations yeah. that never yeah. cool you off very in, quickly. Instant nipple what? hardness. <laughs> Diamond cutters. <laughs> like, and your shirt's wet because you're sweating. None of the new stations do that. Well, Mark, thank you. Seriously. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate yeah. it immensely. Yes. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Right on. So, also. We'll, we'll ask you five more times and we'll get you on for the six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just send them five texts in a row. Yeah, that's that would probably be instead of just once yeah. every six months or so. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just all at once, shotgun blast. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, when you get desperate and you scrape the bottom of the barrel, let me know. Um. Yeah. Well. Okay. Know. So we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are you doing at noon? Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. Um. Yeah, Mark. Thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Uh, this was great. Chris, thanks for making it. Appreciate it. Moran, thanks for uh, thanks for stopping by once in every six months. That's fantastic hey, man, to that, see That's you. my plan. That's not his. Yeah. I think you guys are on the same plan. The cycle's linked up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ew. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, everybody, thanks for stopping by. If you are struggling reach out there are resources out there if you know somebody that's struggling reach out um let them know you care let them know the resources are out there and then also you know personal accountability like i've been saying you got to take charge of not only your physical health but your mental health as well um be your own advocate do the things you need to do to get healthy do not wait on somebody to come save you yep you got to do it on your own. You got to have be the own wind in your sails. So, uh, thanks for stopping by, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you, bye.